morning. Hey, Jacob. How we doing? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. How are y'all? We're good. We're good. Welcome, everybody. We're at episode three, the, the TZE, the Zion Experience. We, uh, we've got a guest today for the first part. It may stay on, just depends. We, you, we just flow, so it, Jacob may stay on with us for a while. But Jacob McMillan, he is a, uh, an intern that's been working with us, and he, uh, he's going to join us full-time very soon. So he's got some exciting stories to tell us about his week last week. I think it was last week, two weeks ago. Maybe. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And uh, we thought our our listeners would enjoy hearing what the Terry College of Business, School of Business down at University of Georgia gets to do. We're a little jealous. Jordan's, Jordan's super jealous. No I'm, question. I'm semi-jealous. But uh, <laughs> back, lean back a little bit, Jacob. We might. I think you've got a shirt on. That, oh, yeah, there it there's is. There's a little preview. Right. We didn't, we didn't plan this either. So there's a preview of what Jacob's <laughs> going to talk about. Um, he's going to share us his week at the Masters. The, the College of Business goes out and gets to do some really cool stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it because I don't know what I've, I've heard all of it. But So I'm, I'm Jimmy Shaw. Jordan Frank, we're your host. Jacob McMillan is uh is joining us and we're uh we're going to talk about i think what'd we say jordan we're going to talk a little bit about ai today and material handling and just see where it goes and we've had a big couple weeks coming off our last episode was pro mad hope everybody enjoyed it we enjoyed taping it um our partners high robotics that was on uh, really enjoyed hearing about their journey and what they've got going on and uh had a great time at pro mad just Man, it was a good time. Good time to meet people and have relationships. And we just get a lot of energy and coming off of it. Then we've had a big week this week, big last couple of weeks. Yep. Had some spring yep. break. And Jordan's going to tell tell us about his spring break. He took little people to the most magical place on the on the planet. That's the name. I'm interested in hearing about that. And my kids and I went full Robin Williams RV style. And we took the RV and... Did about 25 counties up in northern Kentucky. Great movie, by the way. RV, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I would, when I was trying to convince Summer, and you know, you were my inspiration of taking the kids, not quite as gun ho as you, but taking the kids out on a little like week long, two week long RV trip, right? Three, four stops. And I'm like, we're going to sit down, let's watch RV. Cause I'm like, this is, there's probably some truth to how our event would go. Yeah. And when he gets to the scene where he's getting the uh, the toilet on undone, or he's at the sewer there at the drop, yeah. and then they, all of a sudden they got more and more people, and it's a whole event. Yes, there would be some. Uh, it, it, it's it's in my experience, you know, Chuck had the they had the Newmar, the Dutch Star RV and yeah. uh, motorhome, and you open that thing up, or they've got it's it, it, it it's real. You look at it. If you don't know what you're doing, you can get to some trouble pretty quick. But absolutely. It's a good movie. Anyway, sorry. And just one other thing, too. You're going to see me <clears throat> coughing and everything else today. Sniffles. I'm not sick. It's just uh, it's that time of the year, spring allergies. So it's about a three- to four-week period for me that I'm kind of like this with eyes that look a little crazy and some uh, nasally stuff going on. But uh, anyways, yeah, I think um, you know what we were going to do is uh, I am very jealous of what Jacob gets to do. Uh, it is a <laughs> – wonderful events it is a wonderful place to be it is a special place to be i've been there once would love to go again but jacob why don't you tell everybody kind of what you guys get to do 
Yeah, so this is my second year doing it. Last year, I was kind of in a different capacity. I was um, a headwear rounder is what they called it. And so I kind of stocked headwear in these little rounders around the store. Uh, and so I really got to see kind of how the store operated in that aspect and got to do inventory. And of course, got to watch some golf, which is always fun. Uh, but this year, they kind of gave me more responsibility, uh, which was great. I was an inventory specialist. Uh, and so the, my main, I guess, duty was I handled transfers between stores um, because there's... So, Jacob, you, you might have to back up, paint the picture a little bit. You're at the Masters. Yeah, so... Right, just paint paint the picture of you're at right. the Masters and why are you all at, in what capacity with the, the college business, the supply chain program? Maybe give throw a little shout out to Marty Parker. We'll, we'll tag him on this. Yeah. So, but so paint a little bit of the picture for the audience of why are, why is why is a bunch of kids from Georgia at the Masters? Yeah, so you've probably seen a lot on LinkedIn, you know, with a bunch of posts going out recently of why you know UGA students are there. Um, we have connections. Our UGA Supply Chain Advisory Board, uh, which Marty Parker's our uh, professor sponsor there, uh, we have connections with people at Augusta National. Uh, one of those big names is Matt Dial. Uh, he's great, helped us a ton. Uh, and so we are able to send students each year. Uh, and so we had students in two separate year areas this year. Uh, we had students in operations, so working in the different golf shops, as well as some students in a uh, consulting aspect. Uh, and they were working with Marty Parker and others to you know go around and figure out where they could improve in different areas of the masters outside of merchandising. What are they trying to improve? Are we trying to like, I've never been to the masters. Don't know what I'll ever go. Maybe, but is it, are there so many people? Is it yeah. selling merchandise or what, what are we optimizing? Uh, I know one of the things, I don't know everything that they did, but I know one of them was uh, employee shuttles because uh, I mean, we don't park on property. And so we have to park down the road. And so you have these employee parking lots with thousands and thousands of employees and you have to shuttle them onto the property, uh, which they have Mercedes vans, like shuttle vans and buses and stuff like that to get us onto the property. But there's only so many. And if, especially when you tell everyone they have to clock in by 6.30, no one's gonna get there at 5.30 in the morning. So everyone's kind of getting there at the same time. And so it's kind of a bottleneck uh, in some areas. And so I know that's one of the areas that they were going and doing time trials and seeing how they could improve that employee shuttle system to um, kind of make it as efficient as possible uh, and get people there on time and clocked in on time. So, how, how many and I'll boys? say, I'll say, Jimmy, Augusta National Golf Club. So there's nothing really around Augusta. Okay. Right. It's a, it's a pretty, there's not many hotels. There's not many places to stay. There's not a lot of restaurants. It's, it's, Augusta National. That's what's there. So the Masters is obviously the event. Um, there's four majors. It's one of the four majors. It's probably my favorite of the majors, but um, it is just impeccably maintained and they limit the number of people that can watch and they're called patrons. They don't, they don't, they don't say the, the audience, they don't say, you know, what they're patrons. Right. Yeah. And it is all about the experience, not only for the players, but for the patrons. So what I will tell you is, and I, I talked to Jacob a little bit about this uh, earlier this year, but their gift shop, right when you walk in through the main gate, first off, there's no electronics allowed. Google, I want to see it. I don't know what I've ever looked at it, but I'm going yeah, to so look no, it while you're doing it. 
There's no electronics allowed in the course. So you have to go through a metal detector to get in. You can have a camera, but you can't have your cell phone. Okay. You can't have a smartwatch. And cameras are um, only on practice days. Tournament days, there's no that's right. electronics at all. So right. So you feel a little you feel a little weird because you walk in. I was there on a Sunday and you walk in and you just feel like you're forgetting something because you don't really go anywhere without your phone, but you can't bring it. And they've got a bank of pay phones when you first walk in. So if you need to call somebody, you can, but you can't look up, you know leaderboards you can't look up where do i go what do i do like there's nothing so everything there experience everything there yeah but their gift shop that's cool is absolutely incredible and their revenue is eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars an hour through the gift shop and you can't buy master's apparel anywhere else but at augusta national so when they have that amount of people they don't want you to feel like you're spending your time standing in line trying to buy something because you want to get out and watch the players play. So I can tell you from when I was there, it's an extremely organized approach where you never feel like it's a crowded event, right? And I think that they want to continue to maintain that, right? So I think, Jacob, a lot of what you guys do is ensuring that, you know, you're always improving. It's a great event, but there's always room for improvement, right? Yeah, and I, I talked to some past interns that had worked there, and they were talking a lot to me about, like, you know, uh, every badge has like an RFID, even employees, everyone. Uh, and so that's kind of how they are able to keep track of who's in the store, what's selling, you know, because we can track customer movement. Uh, and so it's really interesting to see, you know, I, I think most stores, you know, depending on where the entrance is, if like an entrance is on the right side, you're going to take a right first, uh, which we've noticed, you know, most people are going to take a hard left going towards like your master's apparel polos and stuff or straight back to the hats because those are the most popular items uh and so it's really cool to see that and seeing hey what products are moving the fastest and that's where kind of i came in a little bit was uh we had people checking products what products were moving fast and you know if we didn't have the stock we needed were they in a warehouse somewhere or were they at a different store and we would transfer those items and so i helped with those transfers um between the different shops, mainly between like main golf shop and South Village, uh, which South Village is down by the South Gate. Uh, so they have a big shop at each gate, which is really um, impressive because it's, you would think the sales would just be so heavy on one, but it from right. what I was seeing, I mean, both shops just dominate in performance and it, it's really cool to see because I was explaining at the supply chain event the other day, it's like a well-oiled machine. You know, like you, most people have been in sales, you know, they've been in some kind of capacity when they were younger, you know, at a grocery store or something along those lines. And you see, oh, hey, you know, this inventory moves kind of fast. You know, I'm having to stock shelf daily and stuff like that. Especially like when I worked at Trader Joe's, I was like, I thought we sold a lot for a grocery store, you know, yeah, yeah. and I thought we were moving inventory pretty fast. And then you go to the masters and it's like things are flying off the shelf. I mean, I remember last year when I was working in hats, I would bring hats out like sleeves at a time and I couldn't even get them to the shelves before people were taking them out my hand. Right. Uh, and so oh, it's, it, it's, it's a good comparison. If you think about some of our 3PL partners that are out there, they go through peak, right? Black Friday, Cyber Monday, 710X our volume. Augusta goes from nothing to $50 million of sales in one week. Right. Uh, and how many volunteers you have any idea of how many volunteers are at close the event? It's blowing, it's I mean, blowing my mind. 
Like I don't know how many. I know there's a couple, at least a couple hundred in the golf shop. But the cool thing is, so the the golf shop employees we get paid, um, while like your gallery guards are volunteers, but the gallery guards get to play the course. So, so you got like, paid to do this. You got paid. I got paid. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I just. $850,000 an hour, you said. Is that, yeah. Did I hear that right? Yeah. There's yeah. 30, it says there's 35 to 40,000 people here. Yeah. So, 35 four it, day, is it four day tournament? Thursday, it, Friday, Saturday, it's Sunday? Actually, Saturday to Sunday. So, okay. Saturday is the women's amateur, okay. um, which you'll see is when most people come in and buy stuff. It's really weird um, because they're not as focused on the tournament or uh, practice days or a lot of sales. Once you hit the tournament days, um, you didn't see us. I mean, of course the shop was still filled most times of the day, but it wasn't packed from sunrise to sundown. Um, What's pretty impressive about it, Jacobs. I was there on Sunday and I was really concerned that there was going to be like outages of everything that I wanted. There wasn't anything that I wanted. They still had in stock. And then Jimmy, what they do is right next door, at least to the main golf shop. I don't know if they have these, all of them, Jacob, they have a FedEx, uh, where you can literally take your, Take your all your ship. apparel, your gear, go right next door, ship it to your house. Where, yeah, this, so where it, do it, they it, keep this stuff? Is there are there are there warehouses on site or how do they so the main golf shop has two, I guess, warehouses, you could say. A, there's a massive area above the where I mean above the shopping, and there's a massive area under uh, the main golf shop. Okay. That's kind that of where we store product for the but it, of course you can't have seven days of product in that one building. Um, it's just not feasible. So they have warehouses um, offsite, onsite, you know, and then they store stuff at all the different shops. And so um, and they're able the- to get it done. But my question, what I always wonder is we sell a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it's a thing that's going to happen. And I always wonder why don't they order more, you know, because, but I guess it's the exclusivity of it. You know, they and want, you can only buy it the seven days of this event. Correct. Is the and only, if you go you on eBay, that, you'll notice people are reselling stuff for a significant amount. And so it, it's, it's, you'll notice how actually exclusive it is. So when people go in, you're not having someone come in and buy one hat. Um, you're having people come in and buy, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars of merchandise. Let's, let's, let's ask George, what'd you, what'd you, when did you all, you and Chuck went, uh, what, four or five years ago? Yeah, we went in 2017, I think it was when, uh, it was, it was a, not one of the favors that won the tournament that year. That was the year that Patrick Reed won. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, we went on that Sunday. We, we got there at 7am as soon as the gates open, went into the, to the shop and we bought, Hats. Uh, so there was, was some rain that what, day. She what, bought a couple of rain jackets. About, about mm. four or five grand. No, it wasn't that much. It was probably like two grand. Like I bought a, I bought a watch from down there. Coffee cups, hats. Because to Jacob's point, you buy stuff for everybody. Yeah. It's like so. Like I bought stuff for Harper, but she was little, right? I bought stuff for um, my sister's boyfriend at the time, right? I bought stuff because you can't. You just like if you see somebody with a master shirt. They either were there or, you know, they knew somebody that was there, but you can't just go online and masters.com and buy a shirt. So that's, that's crazy. it's a, uh, and they limit, they limit the daily entrance about 40,000 people. So that's why it's interesting. Yeah, that's, you look at the, that's crazy. The waste, when you think about the waste management, right? I think, which is out in Phoenix, they were, I think they were hitting, 
150, 200,000 people a day. And, uh, but that's a, that's a, that just tells you there's drastically different tournaments, right? The masters is like respect. It's, it's quiet. It's patrons waste management's a party. It's like, you got the 16th, it's the skybox and the amphitheater around. But anyway, I think the cool thing about what UGA does with Augusta is it's pretty neat. And there's a partnership there. Right. And it just goes to show that there's that as, as great as the masters is, they recognize that they need to continue to invest in bettering yeah. themselves. Right. And so, material handling who would, who would think, I mean, you don't, right. you don't, as a consumer, when you're in, we tell that a lot. When you go to the grocery store, you're not sitting, you're, you're going and shopping with a purpose. You're, what food am I going to get? What ingredients do I need? But you think of the, the cool thing that we get to do every day. I've done it for 25 years. It's the supply chain that gets it to there. And you, you go to, we're going to talk at spring break. You go to Disney and you think of just the food and the merchandise and everything that goes through that. And that's what engineers do. And that's a cool so we're partnered with the with the Terry. Do I am I saying that right, Jacob? I always call it probably it, it, wrong, but supply, supply chain, chain advisory board. Yeah, yeah, we're part of the supply chain advisory board um, at University of Georgia with Marty Parker. Love Marty. Marty's been so good to us. Such good people. The students, everybody, the whole program. Just nothing but good things to say about it. And the fact that you go into the Masters, you don't really think how do you get eight hundred fifty thousand dollars of sales. In an hour, an hour, and and push through really what's a seven days peak, and you just it it it's crazy to me. I'd love to see it, but I would love to see the aspect and ask questions. I'm a question ask. I, I ask a lot of questions, so <laughs> I would love to ask questions like how do you, who what's the system? Where's the where's the inventory? How do you replenish? Because I mean it's just a big replenishment problem, and it sounds like they they run it pretty efficiently it sounds like there's always room to improve when you're yeah. when you're handling those kind of volumes but well they have it's, a it's fascinating software. to me not put the event aside like the event itself would be can you when tiger was in his prime or jack nicholas was in his prime or even some of the best you know some of the best sundays that have come down and just to be able to participate in it but oh the nerd, just, the nerd of me is like man i didn't realize all this exclusivity was there and that they do yeah it's pretty cool because even those players as big as they are there's our the main drive there is called i think it's magnolia lane yeah. um that that's the main picture entrance. of it here it's yeah. pretty it is but you have to be a member to go down that road so there was a lot <laughs> of like there was a lot of like uh there was videos this year a lot of players are taking their their you know first time with the masters and had their dad up in the car taking a video of going down Magnolia Lane and just just that that kind of experience and this year's tournament was phenomenal. You know, it was an interesting yeah. tournament. I'm not I can sit here and talk all day about it because you had Live Golf, you had the PGA Tour, both could play the Masters. You had Brooks Kepka, who's Live, he was leading the tournament. You had John Rom, world number one, right, awesome player, and I saw just kind of duking well. it out throughout the tournament. What's that? I saw Phil Lefty. Lefty did well. Phil, like. Phil did very well. He yeah. did. He's. I think he. I think he actually he tied for second or something. Lowest, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, tied for second or uh, tied for second or third. third. Well, third, even third. Yeah. Okay. But he, uh, I think he tied the lowest round, or maybe he broke the record for lowest round uh, over the age of fifty. Um, like I said, I could spend the whole podcast talking about live golf, PGA, Masters. Well, we we talked twenty else, minutes, so. so let me let me ask right. Jacob two questions. There was a stat you gave at the supply chain advisory board social that we had a couple weeks. What was the stat every second or something? Yeah, there's a hat sold every 0.8 seconds. 
which is pretty <laughs> one hat sold every 0.8 seconds so that's that's wow and then two best coolest coolest experience best part of participate this is year two right yeah year two yeah so what what would you say just um, looking back I yeah, I'll do one of each, one working it on and one experience it kind of going out there because you get to watch golf as well. Uh, working it is cooler to be able to see the transfer. They have a homegrown transfer app. Uh, so how they transfer inventory between the different stores. So it's really cool to see how that worked and kind of work in it as well. Um, so that was a really cool experience, kind of learning new software. Uh, and then as a, a kind of going out there and watching a little bit uh, on 18, when Ram and them are coming up, uh, if you go back and watch, there's a shadow on the tee box, and then you randomly see the shadow drop. Uh, that that was me and some others uh, because John Rom turned around at us and goes, "Hey, can y'all bend down?" Because we were so tall that our shadow was covering the tee box. I absolutely remember that scene. I didn't have to go back and look at it because the commentators uh, notated it. They were like, "Because you could see in the background the sun coming in," and I didn't understand, but they were like. I, I thought he was asking you guys like block the sun, but it was just that your shadow was extending out to the team. Yeah, and so he turned around. That was and you, huh? To bend down. Wow. So that was that was probably my my favorite experience. That was a really cool thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what we need to do is this is my last comment on it. I've researched how can you play Augusta National because you really can't. But <laughs> I will tell you that if you write a book about the masters that people have had success of getting in and playing for research. So I think it sounds like we need to write a book about Material the handling experience behind the scenes of the masters. Yeah. Right. So Jacob, that's next year's project. We're doing a awesome. behind the scenes book. We're going to go out <laughs> and play to research it. Awesome. Well, I'll leave with one thing. What do y'all think is like most favorite product of the people at the masters, you know, what do customers, I mean, patrons love to get. I'd the cheese sandwich. No, the gnomes right here. That's, that's oh. what I saw a girl I work with at um, UPS used to work with at UPS a long time ago. She, she said her husband got another gnome, like they need another gnome, but those, those go get one of those, go get, go get one of those real quick, Jacob. While he's doing that, Jimmy, the pimento cheese sandwiches are there. I've heard about them. Dollar fifty. See, so I've got so many hobbies in my life. I don't need another. I don't need to add like masters and cool golf courses. I, 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 what is it? April twenty first, twenty twenty three. I'd be surprised if you don't have some gnomes back behind you come this time next year. Hey, I, I think I, I think that's a good I got, project. I've added. Have you seen? I've been telling. I, I, I see it. But Jacob, I hadn't even told you about this. I've been looking at Air Jordan ones for solid three years. Just never pulled the trigger. Bought three pairs this week, last week. <laughs> Tried. I got a low. I got a mid and a high. That's how I. That's how I do it. Jordan tells me sometimes, like I don't do anything halfway, but when I do it, I've, I've got them. So I've got my green pair of Zion's Air Force ones. Those are the originals. They're the high tops. Those look and, good. Uh, yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty clean. <laughs> we'll see if we ever see him on his feet. We'll see. I asked Maybe. him. I said, "Are we? Are we getting Maybe. rid of the cowboy boots? Are we gonna? Are we gonna wear some sneakers?" And he said, "Special occasions." So Maybe. We'll, we'll see. Special events. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we've see. got a. We've got a, a customer that we're talking to and working with. That's actually a member at the Masters. He's part of the supply yeah. chain board as well. I know. And, uh, 
Sounds yeah. like I need yeah. to go. So you only went one day, Jordan. We'll wrap this up. But you only you yeah. You can. So how hard can is do, it to get tickets in general? I mean, is it's, it it's, is it's super it's tough? Very. So what they do is the, the, the tickets are cheap if you have the ticket. So as an so there's certain families like all the patrons. It's all sold out. There's no general sale of the Masters tickets. There's a lottery that you can enter, and that lottery you can get practice round. You can get. Um, tournament rounds, but you only get one day, right? So all the week long passes are already sold, and then all the all these guys have to do it's I think it's like a four hundred dollar renewal fee, and that's all that it costs for a week long badge. So you can keep that in your family as long as you want, and they have rules of allowing you to will that down. So literally, it's generational of the patron badges that people like I. But I was down there, I went to a restaurant, and I was sitting next to somebody. It was like their 28th Masters. And it's because it's it's if you're on that list, you can be on it forever. So they haven't opened it up for a general sale in 25 plus years or 20 years or something. So it's it's you either have to you either have to get it through the lottery or you gotta pay for a ticket through a third or party. there's one more way. It's Berkman's place which is by invitation only. So a member or someone like that could invite you to Berkman's, to buy a ticket in Berkman's place. Which Berkman's a member of Augusta can invite you, you're saying? Yeah, there's $6,000 a badge um, to Berkman's place, but you have to be invited to be able to purchase one. So, so yeah. Jimmy, to answer your question, it's not easy. What's a ticket cost? Normally only like 50 to 120 years. Um, but like if you win the lottery, retail, like over a thousand, but like if yeah. you get a retail 50 to over 50 to 120, depending on the day. Um, yeah, Berkman's it's, at 6,000 retail. Crazy. I know of a dude that paid $50,000 for one so resale. Jacob got to go for free twice, right? And right. he got paid to do it, right? And he got put in a hotel. That seems, that seems fair, right? Right, and you got what? What was his last hotel for the week? And you got put in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty crazy. But uh, it's, lost it's... a week of productivity out of Jacob at work because of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's worth going. That's so that's 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 an ex- life's about experiences. You know, part of our vision statement's memorable experiences. This sounds like the Masters is a pretty memorable experience, and how they do everything, and the exclusivity of it, and the nerd in me really likes the fact it's that's a lot of volume. That's a lot of moving parts. That's a that's a pretty cool peak week, and uh, maybe we'll have to figure out a way, Marty Parker, if if we can get Marty to listen to this, they might need some systems integration help <laughs> next um, Masters to come look a... at and make just to make sure the system's working right and right. what additional technologies could help the Masters in this seven weeks. That's right. Jacob, I know they have you, a new warehouse. Can you tag Marty so we can see if, if <laughs> we would be glad to do it? We'll give a very reasonable price on it. <laughs> we may even do it just out of the goodness of our hearts. I can afford it, Jimmy. The stat is seventy million in sales, ten million a day, a million an hour, sixteen thousand a minute, two hundred and seventy-seven dollars every second. That's what they do. So I think they need some conveyor. It'd be good. <laughs> There'd be an ROI there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think what Jacob will add that to our task list. Let's 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 see if we can do it. I like the gnome. Did you get two? Is that one from each year? Is what you got? The that one's from last year. This one's from this year. 
So. And that's pretty cool. That's nice. Well, I've enjoyed that. We spent 30 minutes talking about the Masters. So if you're still with us, everybody, hopefully you enjoyed that. And uh, But that's a cool experience, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, thanks you for stay on. Me. We're we're gonna probably just roll in, or if you want to stay on, stay on. If you want to bounce I'll off, that's cool, huh? Yeah, cool. So well, let's switch. We we we've talked so we usually in, intro with a little what have we done lately, and we've come off spring break, but I think thirty minutes is probably sufficient, Jordan. If we want to pivot into maybe what we've done this week, yep. I've had a, I've had a big week. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so two weeks ago, I was on. Well, we came off pro mat. And then we had spring break. You had spring break. And um, I dug out dug out of emails from ProMat, and I had spring break. I took the kids up. We went, we're, we're trying to see every county in Kentucky. There's 120 of them. We did 25 counties in about four days in our RV up, up in the northeast side, the very northeast area of Kentucky. Uh, I've hills. seen your pictures of the courthouse. Is that what you're doing? You're, yeah, that's you, what you we do. You're trying to find a courthouse? So, yeah, my, my daughter. So my daughter's good. My daughter, Abby, one of my daughters, I should say, is uh, 11. And she's doing it. If we get it done in time, she's going to enter it as part of the 4-H contest for a project for the state fair. But my wife got the idea that let's go see every Kentucky county. So we go pick two to three places, two to three interesting items to see in the county it might be a museum it might be a location it might be a house and then we always go to the courthouse and take a picture with the kids in front of the courthouse we've done about 45 to 60 counties right now so we're about halfway done and uh, and then my my daughter writes a blog about the counties that we've been to and she writes a little here's what we found here's some interesting facts but so we did that we did four days of it and then this week had a big week when we spent i've been out on the west coast most of the week we had a customer visit to uh, to see a a working high robotic site, which is really a second or third time I've seen it, but just always a good day to take a customer. Uh, we're gonna have some exciting news about this customer shortly, very shortly. But uh, had that good trip, and then we went to another company. Can't just because of the industry we're in, can't really name the name yet. But uh, spent some time with some of the smartest people in the world, literally technology wise. Uh, AI wise, material handling wise, some of the smartest people in the world, uh, and had that. And then yesterday we were we were all together up in, well, where were we? We all got together and talked. We call it our, our ZBR, which is our Zion Business Review. So we meet quarterly um, every three months and and just talk about strategically where we're going. And it's always fun. We get in. I said it's like a group of brothers and sisters. We get in and we just we argue just a little bit. And, uh, but we have some really good discussions. It's, it's always good to be in a room with each other. And so that's been, I've had a big week and, um, love getting out with our customers. We, we've got an install going in, in Texas right now and it's, it's going super well. And, uh, I love that. That's my, everything in life's your passion, right? I, I would much rather be out on the floor watching one of our installs that we've designed and we're installing it and getting to commission it and, that's just where I love to be. I love to be out with our customers. So, had a busy week. What about you, Jordan? You had a you had a busy week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, you know this week I was asked to participate in a Kaizen event. Um, it was actually helping a fellow competitor um, with one of their customers. They just asked me to come in, and they had a Kaizen event focused on improving. They 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 put in a a a batch and sort system. Um, so they've got pick to light, they got put to light. 
and uh, the system was working. They, they realized some improvements, but they weren't quite all the way there. They think they could squeeze out some more efficiencies. So we spent a couple of days on site. Uh, pretty cool experience of going through and understanding how the process works today because they have a fairly complex process where they have a WMS. They've got a batching software. They've got a pick to light and put to light software. And they've got a, a, a conveyor control system. So they've got four elements. Four text yeah. fast. Wow. Yeah. So normally you'd have your WMS to your to your batch and sort. Right. You know, you normally have your WMS drop your orders, have somebody do that batching if it's not the WMS, and they would control the cubby allocation and the and the put pods downstream. Um, but this particular site, they got four different uh, tech stacks in there. Wow. And they uh, had it set up where there were some people that were walking. Um, they they have very large orders, so they have. They're actually putting products into coolers, and they were there. They have uh, orders ranging from a you know a single all the way up to their larger coolers. Are I think it was forty one units going to their larger coolers. So what was happening is, is they were loading these cubbies, but they were spending so much time on the backside taking the units out and then building a cooler and putting them into the cooler that they couldn't get the volume out they wanted to because they ship everything in three days. Because they don't they don't ship on Thursday and Friday because this is refrigerated product and yeah. it spoils after forty eight right. hours. It's got excursion. So they don't want limits. it to be delivered on the yeah. weekend, so they they yeah. have to do all their volume Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So uh, we spent two days really understanding the current process, uh, understanding how we could improve it from both a software and flow standpoint, but also from a physical standpoint. So um, what we ended up doing is we split into two teams, and we had a team that was focused on. Looking at their existing site and how could we re how could we reuse what they have, repurpose what they have, but expand on it and then drive some additional efficiencies. And then how could we improve the pack? So we literally spent two days and we would have ideas and we would build it on site. So we had the maintenance team ever with us. We had the we had uh, ourselves and we would mock things up full scale. We would run time studies through it. We would we brought in uh, this customer is really neat. They, they would bring in their entire shift. Um, everyone that's involved in it to come over and say, guys, they would call it a tri-storm. Here's tri-storm number one. Here's what we're thinking. And they get feedback right there on the spot from their team. And then we take that feedback and we'd iterate and improve upon it, bring them back out and then say, all right, what do we think about this? And then we did some actual, some actual time studies. And what we ended up doing was picking directly into the cooler or not picking. We would put directly into the cooler and we developed some custom put walls where we were going to singulate the products coming into those put walls and we completely eliminated that pool process. So that pool process would take um, Took between, yeah. I mean, once you have the backside of the wall, it would take them ten minutes to go through, pull the products out, put them into the coolers, and get those to pack. That's how long for they have. That's how long it would take. Uh, and that was for a batch of fourteen orders. So it would take ten minutes. We got it down to I think forty-two seconds with the process that we had. Ten minutes <laughs> to forty-two seconds. Yeah, so we ended up. You said something important. I think that our listeners yeah. may may hear is like what we do is is very complicated. Obviously, we've done it a long time. I but trying to keep something simple, Jordan. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I've always when when I was teaching new engineers, you look where people's feet are moving and count yep. the touches. Yep. If you do those two things from an efficiency standpoint. That's really your travel time and your touches. And then the, the third item is really just the thinking time, the processing time, how much, what decisions are you making? You want that to be super simple, but if you, 
you want the cheat sheet for how do you walk into a warehouse and what's the three things that you have to look at. It's look where people's feet are moving at a workstation. So just envision it. Every time they're moving, it's wasted effort. That's that's opportunity right. yep. to eliminate waste. And then count touches. We did that at one of our, our customers we did a consulting study for, and they were touching product 15, 16, 17 times. Right. Every touch is an opportunity to reduce. And then the last one's where are people making decisions? So I've always said it's kind of a cheat sheet for me is in 25 years, what have I learned? Those three things, I can walk into any warehouse in anywhere. And those are the three of the items that I'm looking for. Where are people moving? How many touches? Count them. And then where are people making decisions? And then that's your opportunity to start improvement. Right. Sounds like you no, all I totally that. agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really this the, the design they had in place wasn't a bad design. And and it was requiring just more complexity than we really needed. Did you right? lose him there for a minute, Jacob? Yeah, I yeah. lost him for like five seconds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your internet's dropping uh, out or something. Yeah. No, can you hear me? Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I think what it is is when I get a email, it's it's playing. That's why I took my headphones off. It's got that alert. I think yeah. it cut me out. So I got to figure I that you. out. Actually, let me just close out our Outlook. There we go. Yeah. So um, anyways, it was a really cool experience. They really – it was, it was, you know, we would we would solve one problem, but then that wouldn't – like as an example, we were uh, – we had mobile carts that we had these coolers that we'd build, you know, put them in these mobile carts, had them slanted towards the putter. They would take – this all be light-driven – and they'd put it into these coolers, but these coolers get to be 30, 40, 50 pounds when they're fully loaded. So then the next well, you say song, a cooler, do they got like a specialized product, a shipping container? It's a it's a, a corrugated box with yes. a styrofoam cooler inside, and then they have to gotcha. put ice pa gel packs on the bottom. Yep. yep. It's got a liner in it. They got to put the products in, more gel packs, dunnage. It's a pretty involved process. But so they, with the with these gel packs and these products that they have, it, it'd get up to 40 or 50 pounds. So then the next solve was okay. Well, we got these things on a cart, but how do we get these coolers off of the cart without having our employees having to bend down, pick them up, or go to the top level and bring them down? So, so employee safety, ergonomics was very important to this customer, which it should be. So we ended up developing was we could take the cart over to a conveyor, and you could actually push uh, – I sneeze here in a second – but you could actually push the cooler out of the bottom shelf onto a powered takeaway – so you just push it up, and then you would slide the cart over one spot. We'd have eight coolers on a cart. So you'd push it up onto the conveyor, push it over one, push the next one up. For the top, we developed a similar to a herringbone transfer that you'd get off of a flex loader. It's basically a ramp. It's a chute that's yep. hinged. So that bottom box could come in, knock it up, and keep going to the packer. But for the top, you'd, you'd slide it off the top shelf and come down that transfer onto your power takeaway. So that process of taking the cart, pushing it over to the uh, takeaway conveyor and unloading it and then bringing it back over would take them 45. That's what took 45 seconds, which previously took 10 minutes. So, um, and we were able to do it, you know, it's a brownfield operation. So I had to think about phasing it in, you know, and minimizing the capital expense. And, but uh, it was good. Sometimes, you know, you just got to simplify things to your point. Get decision-making out of people's uh, mind. Right? Today, they had colored totes, and you had to figure out which color tote you needed. Then you had to bring it over on a ball transfer table and put it. And then you had to look to see if you had any more totes in your batch. And I said, guys, we got to eliminate that. 
We need to have a person who has a tote that shows up and they have a process they follow. They shouldn't have to think about whether or not to scan that tote or scan those items. So we solve that, right? To your point, touches. So yeah, it's great that we were putting 41 units into a cubby and we were getting a great pick efficiency, but you were adding that right back in of having somebody else pull That's right. those 41 units out. So you think about that. You're picking 41, you're putting 41, you're pulling 41, you're packing 41. Yes. So it's just a lot of touches and labor. So it's like, okay, eliminate that. And, you know, look, it's, it's, it's not an easy challenge to solve picking directly into an order container where you have variable sizes, but you can still put measures in place where it might take us a little bit of time to come to a solution, but it, we, the, the end goal of where we got to is it's still a simplified solution for the person that's building those cards. So we would actually allocate a batch ahead of time and we're going to have a LCD screen or LED screen that's going to have, it's going to have a grid and you're going to scan the cart and it's going to say, it's going to come up. It's going to tell you large cooler, medium cooler, small, large, medium, whatever, but it's going to tell your cart builder exactly what to build and where to put it. And then it's going to tell them which pod to take that over to. So that's once cool. again, decision making's out of it. That's cool. Yeah. So it was, it was a pretty cool event. And then we spent some time just, you Talk think about how many companies Jordan do, because we've done a lot of put pods. We've done a lot of yep. companies. Yep. And it is at your most efficient pick is always into the shippable container. It's just at yes. any time you put it on paper. But there are times and places where it doesn't make sense to put it straight to it because sure. you've got quality. Quality comes into play a lot on it, right? You got value yep. add services that comes into play on it. But in this case, I mean it sounds like Sounds like a pretty cool event. Did they have somebody yeah. internally that ran it? You hear Kazan, you, you hear these gimbal walks, you hear the Six Sigma type like yep. with lean. Some, some, that goes some in. funny sounding words for all these things, but yeah. I'll tell you, it was they very worked. effective. Yeah, yeah, they had a champion internally. There was a team there of about, uh, there was probably eight or 10 internal team members on this team. And then there was myself one other individual on the first day and then two other on the second day. So there was two or three external and they had a blend of site director, director of uh, logistics, and they'd have leads, right. That are on the floor that, that were part of this event. But they had a, they would have an internal guy that was championing this. So you had your project charter in scope, out of scope, you know, your owners and everything else. And right. uh, it, 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 it was very organized and I've just never been a part of an event where, you know, we live in AutoCAD all day long, right? And that's what we do. And we usually don't have the luxury to take the time and build out what we're thinking. But here we did. I mean, we had guys out there with they were with grinders and uh, band saws and, you know, I mean, literally just on site. fabricating this thing as we go. We They take it, our ideas, turn it into reality. You set it up and sit there and actually do uh, what's my productivity gains. So it was pretty cool. Um, I applaud them for doing it. I think they – uh I think it's really cool the culture that they're because you could tell that their employee culture was a focus. I mean, bringing those, tell them their whole first shift, stop what you're doing, all come over here and then challenge them with feedback and questions and do the process. And that's what drove a lot of our recommendations. Yeah. Because the people on the floor are the most important people in the process because they they know what works and they know what doesn't. Now we that's can right. help them understand to open their minds a little bit, but their feedback's invaluable. And I Absolutely. think that's missed. 
at times, you know, not getting the the right feedback and you think you've got solved, but if you don't listen, right, which is one of our core values is you got to listen and you got to right. understand and right. you can take that and you may think you've got a better solve until they say, oh, well, we've tried to do this and this is what happened, right? So just critical. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, so I've been part of several of these events. My time at UPS was a lot spent. How do you improve? Yeah. How, do you, how do you tweak? How do you get more efficiency? And those three things, those three cheats that I gave you, I mean, that's that's over 25 years plus. of, of It always will ring true. You can go in any warehouse and do it. But what you just said is also critical as well. The most valuable feedback. There's multiple ways to solve different problems, which is what we do. We look for where's your pain? What problems can we help you solve? But there's multiple ways to solve it, but always get the buy-in of the, the, the leadership team or the directional management team. But the employees on the floor, they're invaluable. And engineers miss that. Young engineers, inexperienced engineers miss that sometimes because it's you can design the best spreadsheet, you can have the best process, but if you don't get the buy-in, if you don't get the real-world feedback, and I learned, I learned that, I call it a, we call it, we joke about being concrete walkers. I learned that very quickly in my career at UPS of going out and yep. just, I would do the job. I would encourage you to do that as well. If you're, maybe if you're a young engineer, systems integration, we don't get to do that as much because we're building the systems handled product, but go out and put away, go out and receive. You want to really redesign something? Yeah, Jacob, as you're, as you're learning in this, like you really want to understand how a warehouse works, go go get an RF gun and stay in inbound for a week, go to outbound for a week, go to shipping for a week, put away. I mean, it's you've got to get that feedback. That's cool. You know, we've also got some new note-taking skills. Jordan, Jordan's not a big note-taker. I did. That's right. We're, we're, we're at a meeting yesterday. Meeting. And this is Five bullet points. He, he, right. He's got his computer up taking notes, and I'm like, so Jordan and I've worked together a long time. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on over here? And he's taking notes, took notes, right. took some action items and due dates, right? Got, got an owner, got a due date. Yeah. That's right. I will say what was pretty neat is about five or six years ago, we really started getting our our feet wet with robotics. And yes. we really started with AMRs, autonomous mobile robots, specifically the Mir product line. Yeah. Um, so there was a there was a product called the Mir 500, still around, and the Mir 1000, and their pallet movement uh, AMRs. And we would take these AMRs down to customer facilities, and we we would do a trial run, map it out, run it, uh, see what kind of cycle times you could get with pallet movements, and. One of the big conversation points was around the the culture and employees and, and what they're going to think of these robots coming in. And when we first started, I think people looked at it, they, they challenged it, they questioned it, they were concerned, right? Because people think robots and still they, they, they think, you know, it's going to it's going to displace labor, which at times is true. But for the most part, it's there to supplement, right, right. on the non-value added tasks and right. – we uh, w- with this event where I'm getting to is it was one of the first times, and I think we're going to start to see this more often, where their employees were trying to come up with ideas of where we could leverage robotics to help supplement what they're doing. So we're I'm starting to see a shift internally in these distribution centers where people don't see robotics so much as a threat anymore. They really, I think, it actually creates some attraction and excitement of 
being able to work with those robotics, seeing them in action. And then, you know, when you go home with your family and you're talking about your day at work, you want to say, yeah, I interact with robots. I think that's pretty cool. Right. And I think there's been a shift and that people understand them a little bit better and know that they're not there to, they're not, robots are not humans. There's some AI, there's some humanoids that are out there and they're getting, you know, they're doing what they can, but it's still, when it comes down, you mentioned decision-making earlier, right? Well, the decision-making is where there's a challenge with robotics today, right? As an example, if I, if I, you know, am expecting um, a product orientation in a certain way and it comes in backwards, well, a human can very easily fix that, right? But right. if a robot's trained to see it a certain way and it's not there, there's only so much they can do, right? So my point is robots are there to supplement labor, to assist in labor, to allow people to stop having to walk so much, lift things so heavy, um, and make their – make their positions, not eliminate them, but make them more efficient in their process. Right. Right. And it's pretty cool to start to see pickers, putters, packers, like, man, can you guys help us with where could we leverage some robotics to improve our processes? So I don't know if you've seen him. He was at FedEx for a while. I think he's retired. He's, he's, he is a voice in the material handling community about robotics and automation. Um, I don't know Aaron personally, but I follow him. I see his stuff and he, he, he calls it the three D's. And I think we used it as part of a, a LinkedIn post this week, but anywhere it's dirty, dull or dangerous work is where robotics can supplement and help. And you think about that. I mean, it's who wants to be in the back. I, I don't know if either one of you all have, have been in the back of a 53 foot container truck unloading, you know, a thousand boxes, 1500 boxes. And that's, and when you get done with one truck, there's a second truck right, the next. right and it's hot and it's just there's there's a place for it but that the adaption rate is coming it's getting better and That's i think right. we've all got to be I, i've said it several times i give some speeches to the high school kids and then as we're talking with we're, we're talking to a couple different humanoid companies because that's coming at us it's it's going to happen it's just a matter of who solves the problem first and there's always the question of how do we remain morally and ethically in line as we develop this new technologies. Sure. Part of what we said we talk about, and I'm not an expert. I, I don't even know how deep I could. I can't go deep in it. I'll just say that I can't go deep. But the uh, the AI that is just taking the the world by storm in the last couple of months, Chat GPT, the AI. There's there's Open AI and. There's even a petition out there. I think Musk is involved with it of telling everybody to pause for six months. Uh, not I think only Musk it, just created. I think he just. I think he's getting. He's now getting into the AI game. Yes. I think he was holding off for a while, and Microsoft was out there, and they were making some headway. I think there was an article that came out that he's he's standing up a company for artificial intelligence, and he's going to have quite a you know a head start with his uh, Tesla. That's what it is. I mean, it's AI, right? Well, but you said it, right? These ro- we a conversation I've had recently was you think about let's talk about a humanoid. A humanoid yep. goes up. So, so Jacob, if you walk up and you, you walk up to a table and you see another person knock a coke over or knock a cup over and it spills, you know what to do. You have the cognitive yep. ability to say, well, either you're going to to help that person out, you're going to pick it up, you know to clean it. 
you it might be dripping off. You can stop it. You can pick the cup up there. You have a reaction of you've got the cognitive ability to make very ladder logic decisions, but that just naturally comes to you. So now think about a robotic, a robot, I shouldn't say robotic, a ro robot has to be programmed to understand every possible scenario of what do they do? And so that's, it's not, there's a hardware aspect, but then there's the software that comes in and the artificial intelligence and they will never be, they will never, I shouldn't say that. They're a long way away from having the cognitive ability that a human, a simple human being has. I think one of the companies we're talking to said that it's 20 years, 20 plus year old technology hardware wise, but the cognitive ability, at least today, who knows what this AI and artificial intelligence is going to do. I think it's going to exponentially grow once it takes off. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, and it takes, but they, they had the cognitive ability of a six month old to a one year old is yeah, how they described right. it. And uh, yeah, I, I think another, there's a another cool things. thing, Jordan, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Another cool thing I saw, cause is you don't think about this, but when we're carrying something, like if we're carrying a box, we have, we have the uh, we have the vision system to understand and just I, I'm I'm lacking the word the peripheral uh, the the awareness the cognitive awareness of what's underneath you and you're walking but when you think it's a think of a robot a humanoid carrying a box well yep. now you have to have a camera that can see the the field of vision sure and you might have to have a camera some where underneath the box or somewhere different or somewhere, you know, like just basic stuff of how does it see where its feet are going? And then we're, we, we, when we were out West, I saw the first, I haven't seen a lot of these autonomous driving cars, but Waymo, I think it's Waymo one. And there's a cruise. I'm, I'm driving into San Francisco or riding into San Francisco. And I look over and I see this, it's a, it's a Waymo car and it's got all these, these, the scanners and the LIDAR and it's just, it, it's crazy. It's coming. I'm rambling there a little Jordan. Sorry no, no, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I, it, we're, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, it's, it's going to continue to adapt and it's going to, it's going to adapt quickly. Right. I mean, the thing with technology is uh, it, it, it continues to grow upon itself at a, an exponential rate. Right. And, um, it's pretty, it's, it's really, really cool stuff. It takes some really smart people. I read a, I read a book that was talking about making your own neural network and neural network is what drives artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, using the Python, uh, coding language, but it's, 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 it's an interesting, it, it's going, it's, it's there. It, it's going to be here. Um, I think the next step, the next challenge is speed right of being able to do this as fast uh as a human and then also cost right because starting off it's just like when tvs like when lcds plasma screens first came out they were crazy expensive right because they had a burden of all that r&d cost that was put in it trying to turn a profit you're gonna see the same here for a little bit with some of these uh ai these humanoids whatever else but there is going to be a point where they come and they're going to make them much more attractive. They're going to be capable of doing more. And the, the more right. that they sell, the more data they can collect, the more improvements they can make. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's something that, that we'll see uh, certainly in our lifetime within distribution centers. And I think the whole point to all of this is what we do here at Zion is we're always looking out to understand, you know, we've got some awesome partners today with some awesome technologies 
And we spend a lot of time uh, and, and money to understand how those systems work, um, where they where they make sense, how to size, how to design. And we take on that burden to be a better partner to not only our business partners, but our customers, right? But we also want to do, and, and part of what we strive to do is understand what's forward-looking, what technology is coming. It may not be ready yet, but we found success in getting in early, understanding what it is. But what's even cooler, Jim, that you haven't mentioned is that we're having conversations with some of these companies where they're leveraging our expert opinions and our yes. thoughts. And it's it's a really humbling experience because these people are just unbelievably intelligent. But they're coming to us and being like, guys, we need your help. We need your feedback. We we, we can't do this without you. So right. um that's just what we that's just what we want to do right we want to help our customers but we also want to help our our business partners whether they have a marketable sellable product or not it's just about yes. helping each other uh become the best that we can that's right the uh i, I was reading an article i've got it here because i can't i can't remember it, but it we solve problems and, and so one of our one of our potential partners or partners is covariant and it's really who's using ai today so you there there's all the buzz about chat gpt is coming uh it, it's absolutely coming where's it going to end up I, I don't know that answer but it's coming but who's using it today so covariant is one that's using artificial intelligence and they're the brain of their pick and place robot is just super impressive uh very very impressive good people over there as well but peter chin um, i believe is their ceo and, and co-founder and he said they're he, he, he said there haven't been many core mechanical advances in the last few decades. So automation of the types of tasks that require human hands like picking and packing, um, they've, re they've reached the limits of the available technology. So that makes sense. You, you think about that. And it said whatever problems can be solved with operations plus hardware plus software, they're currently already solved. But he added that's that's where this artificial intelligence comes in. They're going to fill in the blanks between those problems that are already solved. So I'll say it again because I think it's pretty powerful. It's operations where there's hardware and software and operations, which is really what we do. That's a system. You got right. your, your human, your hardware, and then you've got the software. Those problems, they've been solved multiple different ways, but a lot of the problems have already been solved. To what technology can do today it's always advancing always will but then where does ai come in it's going to fill those blanks where those problems are and it and it really you know does ai someday come in and do what you all looked at jordan and say hey i've got a human pudding i've got software four technology stacks behind the scenes doing something and then it's ultimately going in to a, a metal bin or cubby that's got to go onto a metal conveyor does it solve that? I, I don't I don't think it does that. But could you optimize and where? And well, I, don't, I, hear I you don't know. I, man. Think it, I think it's you know it's a good question. And I think you know what you're what you're getting to. And we're we're, we're going to wrap this up here. Maybe this will be a segment for our next for our next episode. But yep, what you're getting to is a, a combination of software, but also what people are calling digital twins, right? Yes. And what a digital twin is allowing, you know, the intent of a digital twin is to create a replication of your existing facility and then be able to manipulate different inputs and variables to understand how it's going to affect your operation. 
So you can do all of that with what you have in place without really touching any part of your operations. And to answer your question, yes, I do think that that AI can play an important role into simulating different environments and scenarios. Now, whether, you know, how long it's going to take before that, that AI can come up and say, here's the recommended solution that I want to try. I think that's where it's going to take a little bit of time. But I think if you feed it, it's going to be able to take it and maybe better itself upon that. But, you know, that, that initial thought of how, what do we want to try? I think that'll take some time to, to, for AI to solve, but yeah, I think it's a great, I think it's a great topic that I think we could spend some, some time talking about. It's just, you know, we, we started when I was talking about my day this week, we, we mentioned technology stacks, four different technology stacks. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, how do we make that better? How do you make it worse? Whatever it is. But I think we could spend some time talking specifically around software that you see today and software that you can expect tomorrow. Right. And that could be uh, we can blend that in with our next episode here. But I think we talked about bringing one of our partners on. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Austin could, could. could join us yeah. for that. Yeah. And we just talked yeah. about what do you got there, Jacob? What you hear all this now? You've yeah. That. So I think the thing with the AI thing is what I've noticed a lot, especially with like chat GBT. I mean, I've used it with classmates to kind of get outlines of stuff. Um, it's a great way to get information fast, you know, so you don't have to go read 10 articles about uh, a company or something along those lines. It can kind of data dump for you. Uh, but what I've noticed is it's all about the user using it. Um, yeah. If you, if you don't know how to use the AI, you're not going to get the information you really need. It's going to be very surface level information. So even let's say AI is to the point where it can come up with this solution, you know, two years, it's all about you're, you're going to have to have someone that knows how to use the AI knows how to get that solution out of it. Because if a normal person comes in and goes, Hey, this is the problem, find the solution. They're probably not writing the, you know, all the different factors that are in it, you know, all the different, other scenarios that might happen. Um, but if you have someone that knows how to use the software or how to use the AI, I think it can be more beneficial. So even if AI becomes a factor in these recommendations, I mean, I think you're still going to have to have someone that knows how to do the recommendation themselves. I think it's just a kind of something that's going to reassure someone. I don't think you ever lose that. I mean, I think the expertise and knowing one of my favorite stories is there's there's an old man that comes in and the boat's not working. They can't the company can't get the boat working. You all probably heard this. I'm gonna butcher it, but I'm gonna get close. They come in and the guy comes in, he listens to the engine won't start. A multi-million dollar boat, right? Everybody's trying to fix it, nobody can fix it. So he comes in, he's got his toolbox, he pulls out a hammer, he kind of sticks his ear, he hears, he walks up to one spot on the boat. He dings it with his hammer. He's here five minutes. He's, he's at the site five minutes. Boat fires up. Everything's working. He sends the bill over and I'm, I'm going to just make it, you know, a big number. He gives them a $100,000 bill for five, five minutes. And they're like, well, hold on a second. You were only here five minutes. I'm going to need an in. What, what did you do? What's the invoice? So he writes the invoice out and he puts uh, the, the labor for hitting the labor for doing it's like five five dollars, and then the balance is the line item is knowing where to hit it. And I think you're always going to have that. And that's one thing we pride ourselves on is knowing the right question to ask. You can have all the technology in the world. There's a lot of companies that have really really strong software, and they aren't successful or operations aren't successful using it. I don't see AI being any different. If you don't know how to apply it, having 
information doesn't get you to an out outcome. And that's one of my favorite stories of the old man that knows, you know, it's, it's yeah. not what you do. It's, it's sometimes you, how you do it. And I think we do that a lot. That's why these companies and these partners that are just, they're two to three years from market potentially of having some, some of the most advanced technology that we will, we will see. And I've seen in my lifetime, but they want to ask questions of us and of Zion and of ours of like information's great, but you've got to know how to apply. So I think it's a great point. Jacob is you can get all the information in the world, but you don't know the right question to ask. And that's what we do a lot. We ask questions and we listen. And I think that's an extremely valuable and important service that we provide our customers of knowing the right questions to ask and then providing the right answers and help them with solving their problems. We've went an hour and five minutes. Nobody's probably here with us at this point. But <laughs> we're going to have our we're going to have our followers. We we've got our 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 base has grown. Uh, we yeah. doubled we've doubled in views, and so really enjoying it. But we probably need to wrap up. Any final yep. thoughts, Jacob? Appreciate yeah, you joining fine. us. Yeah. No, I think my my final thoughts here is just we 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 hit on it. It's kind of a theme and. You know, we've talked about this before is that we don't we don't really script these things out. We really have a couple talking points or topics that we want to hit on and then we just kind of let it flow. And we feel like that's how we, you know, get our get that's just how we that's just how we work, I guess is the best way to put it. But I think the theme that I've that I've gotten from this conversation is questions and listening is is in anything. It doesn't matter if you're solving a problem, if you're talking with your family, if you're, you know, trying to get master's tickets right questions and answers uh is the way is the way you succeed and it's not just any question and it's not just it's not just listening it's it's active listening and it's asking the right questions and knowing how to ask those questions and when to ask those questions based on the information you get i think relates back i think we do a nice job of it it was what we we focus on so that's a theme I you open your email back up because you just cut out I did. I got something that came in. We'll fix that for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. Listening, uh, it's a core value. It's a, it's a foundational value that we have. And I've enjoyed it. Jacob, thanks for joining us. Jordan, thank thanks. you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah. We'll catch you All next right. time. Episode four. Peace, everybody. Sounds good. See you guys.